Well, hey there, my name's Eric Gray, and I'm the Young Adult and Family Minister here at the Regency Church of Christ. I just want to take a minute and say thank you for checking out this message. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And to find out more information about Regency or to listen to other messages from this series, we'd love for you to check out our website at regencycc.org. And we're praying that this message will help you grow closer to Jesus. Most likely, you're watching this on July 5th, which also means that yesterday, on the 4th of July, you probably had some sort of celebration. And it's also true that that celebration probably looked a little bit different. As you've most likely heard, in Mobile, they've passed a mask ordinance. Uh, Fireworks shows have been canceled, unless you're my neighbors across the street, because they've been shooting fireworks every day this week. Social distancing, get-togethers, there's no Major League Baseball on television, It looks different right now. And what's a little bit frustrating about this is I thought that things were supposed to be getting back to normal in July. That's at least what I was told. But that's not all. In addition to the growing concern about the virus spiking, we've seen continued growing civil unrest. And so there's this feeling within each of us. We're not sure what to do. But I think we've come to the point where we all have to care We can't just not care any longer. We can't just think, you know what, this isn't my problem. It doesn't impact or affect me. We can't be indifferent. As a country having to look at itself in the mirror or as a church having to redirect its focus, indifference, apathy is not an option. For a long while with the virus, I I didn't know anybody that had it. I recognize that it was an issue, but man, it becomes more real when somebody you know is around somebody that has it, or you're around somebody who's been around somebody who's been around someone that has it, and it just becomes more real. You start to get more concerned. You start to become more vigilant and protecting yourself. You're confronted with the issue, and indifference is not an option. But there's a problem with an indifference. The definition of indifference is a lack of interest, concern, or sympathy. When we see something terrible, what is our response to that? Do we pray about it? Maybe we post something on social media. Maybe we read more about it to become more informed. But then after a while, we sort of just drift back to normal. We go back to our regular schedule. And sometimes we even catch ourselves in it. We're like, wow, this was such a big issue to me a week or two ago or a month ago. Is there something wrong with me? Why am I not caring about this as much as I should? Am I just part of this indifferent, apathetic generation? Well, my take on this, my understanding, is that it's not that our generation is indifferent. This is not a generational issue. This is a human issue. Having a lack of interest or a lack of passion or a lack of concern, even when confronted with a problem, is a human issue. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus addresses this issue of indifference with a very famous story. And it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we see he's confronted with a question in verse 25. It says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? All right, let's stop right there for a second. How would you answer that question? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Let's say it's from someone even with the right motives. I mean, this might be an evangelistic dream come true question. Please come and ask me this question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? We might come up with all kinds of answers here. We would talk about faith and grace and mercy. We'd mention baptism. We'd talk about Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. And so it's interesting to me, how is Jesus going to answer this question? What must I do to inherit eternal life? But They're trying to test. They're trying to trap Jesus. And so Jesus, as he often does, 
he responds to this question with another question. He says in verse 26, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And the expert in the law replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. In verse 28, it says, you've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So this discussion is, well, Jesus, what do I have to do? Jesus responds, what does the law say? And he responds correctly. Well, I've got to love God and my neighbor. And here, to this question of who is my neighbor, Jesus doesn't immediately respond with another question. He responds with a story. And it's a very well-known story. You've probably heard this story before. He decides to use this test as a teaching opportunity. And we've got this situation where this expert of the law, I think, does something that we try to do often. He tries to justify himself. Who is my neighbor? Who do I need to care about? What's the minimum that I can do? Who do I have to love? And so Jesus starts with the story. And in verse 30, he says, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, if you're familiar with the story, you're probably not experiencing shock and awe as you hear this. But to the original audience hearing the story, this is the person that they would have anticipated would help this man. But he doesn't. He goes on the other side. He sees this situation, and he doesn't respond with compassion and care. He responds with indifference. He says, this isn't my problem. One of the most powerful images of indifference and apathy is found in this story. This idea of, you know, it's not my problem. It's not worth the effort. The risk is too much. There's too many things to do, and so the priest passes on by. We see the same thing with the Levite as well. They pass on the other side. In this epidemic of indifference, it is not unique to any generation. We see it right here in this story in Luke chapter 10. It's part of our nature as human beings, which is why I believe that Jesus points this out. And then in the story, we see this Samaritan come along. And the audience, as they're hearing this story from Jesus, they would not have assumed this would be the hero of the story. And this Samaritan, we know that he's traveling somewhere. We know that he has some place that he needs to be. It's also not technically his problem, but yet he stops. He shows mercy. He bandages wounds. He spends his own money. He takes care of the hurt man. And then he checks on him the next day. And he says he's going to come back and check on him again. And Jesus ends this teaching story by asking the expert in the law a question. Man, Jesus loves to ask questions. He says in verse 36, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? In verse 37, the expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. He can't even say the word Samaritan. And then Jesus tells this expert in the law, he says, go and do likewise. So the question we have to ask ourselves as we hear and reflect on this story is, why don't we care like Jesus calls us to care? If, love, if loving our neighbor is directly connected to inheriting eternal life, like Jesus says it is, why is it so hard to care about others in this way? Well, I think there's a few reasons for this. Number one, the amount of information is overwhelming. The list of all the things that we need to be caring about right now, it's a massive list. And so it becomes hard to care about all these things equally, and it just gets overwhelming for us. 
Second reason is we feel helpless to make a change. It's hard to care a lot about something that you can't do much about. We may want to do something, but we're not really sure what to do, and so we just decide to move on and to go back to our normal routine. The third thing is this. We are blessed and cursed with comfort. We can order a pizza from an app. We can shop on Amazon. We can binge watch an entire television series on Netflix, and we get frustrated when the Wi-Fi is slow. Life becomes about me. Our focus becomes about my comfort and my convenience that I'm blessed with instead of maybe caring about bigger issues. In this new normal, we need to come up with ways to overcome our indifference. We need to come up with a way to redirect our focus back on his promise and his purpose. One of the ways that we can do that is to consistently expose ourselves to something that creates a righteous discomfort within ourselves. If something makes us righteously uncomfortable, that's a good thing. Indifference can, instead of being something that drives us, we can become passionate about this thing that makes us uncomfortable. In Romans chapter 9, Paul there is writing, and he says this starting in verse 1. He says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. So three different ways he says, What I'm about to say is true, and it's important. And then in verse 2, he says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish. There is something that is making Paul so incredibly sad, this painful anguish, sadness within himself, and it's unceasing. It never goes away. It's something that he's passionate about and thinking about all the time. So what is this thing? Well, in verse 3, Paul says, For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. For the people of Israel. Here, Paul is trying to remind us, as he's talking about his own personal experience, what we need to do to make sure that we're focusing on the right things. First is this. We need to focus on something. Many things are going to catch our attention. Few things capture our heart. Jesus was focused. He knew that he came that they may have life. He came to set the captives free. He came to seek and to save the lost. He said, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, you need to leave everything. You need to focus on following me and living like I lived. When we're passive, that repels. But being passionate attracts. Jesus was passionate. We need to be passionate as well. Second thing is we need to embrace what hurts. Paul says, I am filled with great sorrow. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish. I don't think he pushed that feeling of sadness to the side. I think he embraced it. For us, as we're feeling hurt and sadness and unceasing anguish, let's not try to push that aside and not think about that. Let's let that guide us and motivate us to focus on what's important. And the third thing is this. We are rich with blessings, but we can also be blessed with a burden. We see this throughout scripture where there are people who are blessed with a burden. I think about Moses who could have easily just lived out the rest of his days, but instead God came to him with something that needed to be done, and he did it. And he goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. David, when he's told, who are you to go up against these armies? He recognized the time in the field tending sheep and how God was preparing him for something greater in the future. Nehemiah, he was brought to tears when he heard about what was happening at home. He recognized this is not right. And so he goes to the king and he goes back to Jerusalem and he helps rebuild the wall in 52 days. He tells the people there, you need to fight for your brothers. Jesus recognized that there is a sheep, there is people, they do not have a shepherd. And so he came to seek and to save the lost. I heard a story that took place earlier this week 
That's about a woman named Maya Moore. She's a WNBA star, a four-time champion, former Rookie of the Year, former MVP. And she stunned the basketball world this past year when she sat out the 2019 season. She had done some prison ministry during the offseason for years. And in 2007, she met a man named Jonathan Irons, who was convicted of burglary and assault in 1998. He was sentenced to 50 years in prison. Well, Maya Moore, among others, believed that Mr. Irons was innocent and that there wasn't enough evidence to convict and he didn't even do the crime. And so she decided that she was going to take a year off of basketball to help free and bring justice to Jonathan Irons. And on Wednesday of this week, a judge overturned the conviction and Irons was released from prison. His attorney said after the release, said until Maya Moore got involved, Irons just really didn't have the resources to either hire counsel or hire investigators. It's big to sacrifice a year of your career and your prime to do that. What I love about this story is that Maya Moore, she didn't have to do that. She could have looked at this situation and felt sadness about what was going on, but then could have easily said, you know what, that's that's not my problem. She could have said, this is awful, but this is somebody else's issue. And then she could have gone back to her normal life. But instead, she made personal sacrifices in order for someone else to have justice. What's amazing to me about this is that you can imagine someone making sacrifices for someone that they believe is innocent. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice, and he knows that we're guilty. Jesus came to set us free. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to defeat death and to give life. We need to ask God to ignite our passion to join in his mission. We need to ask God to help us discover purpose in our righteous discomfort. We need to ask God to not allow us to just drift back to our normal schedules, but instead to redirect our focus onto his purpose and his promises. In this focus right now, this week, on freedom and independence, may we find a freedom from apathy. May we find an independence from indifference. And may God give us the strength and passion to live in others' first life.